Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Oscar Watch Podcast, the podcast where we look back at past Best Picture winners for your reconsideration. I am your host, Stephen Buja, and joining me for the first time, both co-hosts of Oscar Watch Podcast, the one and only Matthew Marchetti returns from his long thesis-filled hiatus. Matt, how you doing? Hi, um, I'm alive. Um, writing is hard. Uh, <laughs> uh, and... Yeah, it was a. It's been it's been busy, and it was a really shitty Thanksgiving because I couldn't eat food, and my body was just like, "No, you're not gonna. You're just gonna die." And I was in the emergency room, and ugh, all these problems, Stephen. God, so much drama. Just a, such a such a drama queen you are. It was as dramatic as my life has gets typically. Yeah, I definitely. Well, when it when it rains, it pours. And uh, joining us once again, official new co-co-host, co-host, we'll, we'll figure that out, Amy Thomason, coming in live. How you doing? I'm doing really well. Busy, busy week, but all the stress is coming to an end. All right. And I hope our movie this week maybe helped take the little edge off. We here at Oscar Watch, we obviously, we watch the Best Picture winners, and those are doom and gloom and very serious affairs but every now and then we have to do something we call the un oscars in which usually matt marchetti will give us a list of uh horror films that sort of fit a theme this theme Mm. this month's theme is of course christmas Mm. and we pick one and we watch it and we have a good time the film this week is 1980s christmas evil Get, get it? It's a pun because it's Christmas Eve and it's oh evil. yeah, Christmas All, Evil. Yeah, I put that together. So thank you for pointing that out, Steve. Well, I never got that, and you know why? why I'm that? Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is a throwback to a previous conversation we did not have on that you air, didn't hear. <laughs> which just makes it even funnier. I think. I don't know. When radio people do that, I'm always like, you know what? I bet that was pretty funny. It probably wasn't, but somewhere along the lines, it must have been humorous to them. I might so. have had it recorded. I know. Uh, we can we can just toss it on on the on the on the tail of this. Anyways, <laughs> uh, it's uh, so it was. It's the film tonight is Christmas Evil. It's also called You Better Watch Out. Although there's another film You Better Watch Out, which yes, I accidentally purchased because Amazon's thing messed up. But anyways. Uh, this is the original Christmas Evil, directed by Lewis Jackson, starring Brandon Maggart, Jeffrey DeMunn, Diane Hall, and I assume a bunch of other people. Brandon Maggart, I believe, is Fiona Apple's dad. Thank you. Shout out wow. to Alex Riviello for informing me of that fact. Hmm. Um, so, I guess the first question is, well, well, and it's obviously Amy. Amy, have you seen this movie before? Never. Have you heard this of this movie before? This is the first movie that I have not seen before that we have covered on this podcast. All right. Point to But I've watched it twice. Watched it twice. Where do you twice. find the time? I know it was 90 minutes, but still, where do you find the time? Any spare moment I had. The first time I watched it, I was like, hmm. And then I forced myself to watch it again. And I now have opinions and points to make about the film. Well, I can have an opinion on a film just after seeing it one time. Uh, Matt, <laughs> uh, you gave us you, you gave me a list of films to to pick out for for this uh, sort of Christmas themed horror horror movies. Uh-huh. Uh I picked this one because it sounded interesting. Uh-huh. What is your relationship to this movie, and why did you throw it on the list? 
Um, my relationship to this movie is a harrowing one filled with lust and seduction. I don't know. <laughs> That's not true. Um, but you, no, are I, you I, carrying a gun for a, with a bullet for Lewis Jackson as well? No, okay. actually, no. If he was here right now, I would give him all the hugs. I think he's still alive. I mean, it's like the only movie he made, but I would still give him all the hugs. Uh, so, yeah, I saw uh, I saw Christmas Evil many moons ago when I was like, oh, there's a bunch of like Christmas-themed horror films from the 80s. Um, and this isn't even like, this is an early one, but this isn't even the first one. There was one from 1972 called Silent Night, Bloody Night. And then there was Black Christmas from 1974. Right. And then... This actually wasn't even the only Christmas-themed slasher movie or horror movie from 1980. There's another one called To All a Good Night as well. So I was going through like a bunch of these, and uh, I came across Christmas Evil in its uh, edited form. There's actually like a uncut version and then a sort of edited version. There's not you don't really lose much in there, okay. but this version here you can't see it. But this is a, this is the Blu-ray, the 4K yeah. Blu-ray, and this is like the only unrated version that exists that's remastered. Um, and you I, own it. That is impressive. Oh no, I own I own everything. I don't like I don't like download. I can't see them, but right. they're somewhere yeah. back there. There's yeah. all these movies. It's not even the room. That's I have a movie. Yeah, room, so. he has a, he has an entire room that will slow, that's just filled with Blu-rays. It's uh, I have a, it's it's have wonderful. A problem. Look, there's another one here. There's just movies everywhere in my room. They're just everywhere. Uh, yeah, so I saw the movie a long time ago, probably in high school, maybe the end of high school, some point, uh, with like-minded friends. And then I, I kind of um, didn't think much of it beyond that, just because it wasn't available, and my friend had it, and I didn't. And then uh, the the world is sort of a lovely place in some ways recently, and all these movies get like fantastic blu-ray releases from these small companies this one out of bridgeport connecticut and i saw the movie again and i was like i remember this movie and i remembered it so much more than i thought i was uh because i sort of confused it with every other santa based movie and and i went oh this is like this is like taxi driver with santa claus i remember this one because that's what my friends and i said when we first saw it it was like it's taxi driver with santa claus Um, i would actually i was actually gonna go with a different movie but that Totally, that works even better than the one I had in mind. All right, I'm that's literally I'm what I have in my notes. Yeah, it's taxi driver. Literally, it's, right what? here, have that in my notes. It says terrible it's, handwriting. Yes, <laughs> it does say with terrible handwriting. <laughs> Much to the chagrin of my mother, I do not have beautiful handwriting. I have uh, choppy, like ten-year-old boy handwriting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, uh, well, I mean, we can dispense with the whole, all right, guys, how many Oscars did this win? None. It's nominated for any. So we'll just, that whole section is out of here. So we call it Taxi Driver with uh, Santa. Great, uh, great, great thing to call it. So, but obviously people are probably wondering, guys, what the hell is this movie about? And to that, of course, we have IMDb and Matt Marchetti. What is this movie about? Yeah, I have some I have some issues with this. Believe it or not, Steve, I have opinions about things. Um, what? <laughs> it says a toy factory worker, I'm with it so far, mentally scarred as a child upon learning Santa Claus is not real. Sounds good. Suffers a nervous breakdown after being belittled at work. That's true. And then embarks on a Yuletide killing spree. That's the part that I have yeah. uh, some issues with. I have a problem with the fact that he was scarred because he found out Christmas wasn't real. He was scarred because he saw it. Santa Claus go down on his mother. 
Well, I mean, if you guys, <laughs> why would Santa do that? Yeah, that, I mean, that definitely that definitely messes messes it up. <laughs> whole that, that, I, 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 I even wrote I even wrote in my notes. I was like, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna mess a kid up. And then sure enough, yeah, he, yeah. he goes ahead and he gets he gets he gets all sorts of messed up. And I believe, uh, oh well, you know what? I think this does count as a killing spree, Matt. I'm just going to point out a spree killer is someone who kills two or more victims in a short time in multiple locations. So, yes, this technically does count as a killing spree. <laughs> yes, I just Googled that. I did not, I did not happen to know that, 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 that information. So, um, I'm, I'm not happy. <laughs> you're not happy. I believe the total, unless there's something in the unrated version, I believe the total body count was four. Yeah, it's four, yeah. It's four. It's a, and um, comes later, much later than I thought. Uh, yeah. I guess, I guess, Amy, what was your expectation of this movie? Like, just it's called Christmas Evil. It's a, it's a horror movie set at Christmas time. What did you, what did you kind of think this film was going to be about? Um, I'm gonna be honest here. Um, I thought it was gonna be stupid and terrible, and that I was gonna hate it. <laughs> and. <laughs> And then I was I was I was predicting I was gonna say this and then be met with some kind of resistance <laughs> on the show, but it's really not my genre at all. Okay, so that's fine. and I don't watch a lot of this level of like horror slasher flick. When I watch like horror movies, I watch like. The Shining, Rosemary's Baby, The Exorcist, that kind of thing. Oh, the fancy one. Them highfalutin horror Yes, movies. the pretentious ones. <laughs> we covered this. I own it. I get yep. it. But, so the first time I watched it, I was kind, it was kind of everything that I expected. But, and I have to give a little shout out to this guy from work, Chris Johnson. Hey, Chris, totally helped me out with this because he's totally into this genre. He also recommended a Tales from the Crypt. Okay. Yes. Move out, Evil Santa, and yeah. he told me to watch that. I didn't get a chance to yet, but he really was sort of like my. He sat and kind of we discussed it because I wanted to make intelligent comments more than just I thought it was dumb. You know what I mean? So then I watched it again, and that's when I was like, "Oh, it's like Taxi Driver. <laughs> the guy's not just an evil psycho. He's kind of an anti-hero." Sure, he's weird with kids, but so is Travis Bickle when he was mm -hmm. saving Jody the Foster. prostitute played by Jodie Foster. Mm -hmm. So there's kind of some connections there. But it took the two viewings for me to come to that. All right. But so we're, what we can say, not your typical horror movie. This is not just a, what shall we say, the Hall like a Halloween sequel, which sort of devolves into madness and madness and whatnot. Yeah, I uh, guys, what do you, what makes Christmas and horror so enticing? It's the it's the contrast of it. It's like taking something that's sacred and just stabbing it to death. And I think it's just like, I mean, it's it's everyone always says, well, everything after Halloween became about um, you know holiday related like these slasher type films, but. Black Christmas was not well, it wasn't a popular film, but they were doing this beforehand because I think it was just like let's skewer um, the holiday because, well, to be honest, um, I'm I'm sort of cynical about the holidays <laughs> um, since becoming a 
teacher at a school where students have really shitty Christmases and then also having to split Christmas between my family and, and my wife's family. And I absolutely hate that. And I'm just like, you know what? You can just you can just do whatever you want to Christmas horror films. I don't care anymore. Like, I still like it. I still enjoy it. I still like getting together with my family. We have a good time. It's a blast. I'm very excited to see them. And I like the that aspect of it. But I sacred cows don't really exist to me. You can just shoot them all in a field as far as I'm concerned. So, I don't know if that makes sense or it's not like a crazy person, but I don't care. I'm just, I'm just worried about you. I feel like I should call Steph and be like, is Matt okay? You want to ask her about Christmas and how much she loves Christmas? She hates it. She actually hates it. Like, full-on hates it. I'm, like, a Christmas fan comparatively to her. She cannot stand it at all. So, yeah, don't bring her into this. It'll all right, be bad. I won't. I won't. Okay. So just she's not Steph, there, stay she? away. No, she's Steph, not there. We're good. We're Amy, so Christmas horror horror film, not, not big into the horror genre. Are, what, what, what does Christmas bring to you in mind? Is it a happy time of year, or is it just really stressful? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna come across as such a like little Mary Sue. <laughs> You're overpowered. It's it's happy. It's happy. I think it changes when you have kids. I think because you start you get older, and so you start sleeping in, and there's not a lot of magic and stuff like that. But I think once you have kids, it kind of rediscovering what was special about it. Mm through them because now if I didn't have my kids, yeah, I'd sleep until like, you know, 11 roll out of bed, open some gifts. That's nice. You know, mm-hmm. go hang out, which is what we did. But then now kind of having that magic through the eyes of my kids is, is, is fun, but you know, it, it is hard. I have, my husband works at UPS. Oh, so really busy. So this time of year for the past couple of years have been, we just need to get through it. Yeah. It's him working 14 hour days overnight. He may or may not have to work overnight on Christmas Eve. Thanksgiving, he didn't get home from work until like 10 in the morning. And so I'm like, oh, okay, gosh. so on Christmas morning, he won't be there to see the kids wake up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it is right now. It's just totally stressful. And we're just trying to be like, got to cram it in, got to get it in. We got to do this. We have to do this. We have to do that. We have to do this. But um, still trying to make it special. I think why some people might be into the Christmas horror thing is because it really kind of getting the perverse thrill of taking something that's supposed to be so sweet and happy and making it kind of twisted and dark. Rule I could see where someone, yeah, where someone that there's definitely people who would find that interesting or fascinating. Yeah. So, so for you, the cows are still sacred in some ways. Uh, I kind of, I kind of just like in a few years, I want you to show your kids the Christmas horror movies just to shatter their <laughs> illusions of things. But on the on the, on the point of uh, point of the the sweetness of of, of Christmas, let's be, let's be real. Um, I, Santa Claus is <coughs> perhaps could be the world's greatest uh, criminal if he chose to be. <laughs> Dude uh, can get into any house. He he is a he he is like a panopticon of your moral judgments and your thoughts. He is a judge, and he will execute his his position on that with gifts or with coal. But if he wanted to, he could mess 
everybody up in a single night. So he's he's actually I think I think he is ripe for the uh, for the uh, the sort of dark and dark and twisty uh, take that a film like Christmas Evil does take in. Now um, it's called Christmas Evil. I think I prefer the term I prefer the other title you better watch out just because Christmas Evil it's setting me up for something that I think is not actually happening in this movie and that is evil um, we say it's taxi driver with Santa I would also describe it as sort of a Frankenstein movie it's this the creation the creation of a monster who gets you know um, gets well, the ending is totally the ending of the original Frankenstein. Oh, yeah. It's a complete with... It, James Whale with the torches. I mean, literally the torches and they're running through. I was like, oh, this reminds me of the original Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Yeah, and he's... you know, Yes, he does <laughs> kill some people in a way that is more deliberate than original Frankenstein, but there is a... Sort of justified. Sort of, yeah, they were just... They were, they were awful, awful. <laughs> <laughs> but what I what I what I didn't expect on this movie because I'm like oh, it's, fucking, it's a Halloween it's a Christmas horror film and it's going to be dumb and whatever and that was that was on me because I'm like Marchetti would never lead me astray in this regard so Matt I'm sorry I for for like doubting you is that they take a very long they take a good amount of time in this movie just establishing who Brandon Maggart is this is the actor who plays uh, our, our main guy <laughs> Harry. Uh, I was, I was actually kind of in, like enraptured by him. He's very fascinating. He's not always. He doesn't seem like the. He's not the most easy guy to like. Not relate to. That's that would be a little weird because he is a bit creepy. But you can kind of understand him. This little yeah, just a little bit. You know, he does have a. He does have a book. A, he, no, he has two books. He has a naughty and nice book of the local. The local children that he spies on every every day. Uh, Moss Garcia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Moss. I hate that kid. He's awful. Oh, that kid. when he, when when he got slapped, I was I kind of was like that felt good. I was like I shouldn't feel like. Do you I, know who that is? Who slaps him? The mother. No, Moss Garcia's mother. It's it is Patricia Richardson from Home Improvement. It's it's the wife from Home Improvement. No. Very, very, very young. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Wow. Oh, she, <laughs> yeah, yeah. she was just she was done with Moss's shit. Moss Moss seemed like a little brad. Oh. Yeah, he's awful. He's awful. <laughs> he's just, just the worst. <laughs> but um, what um, guys, would you call Harry sympathetic? Yes. He's a schmuck. He's a schmuck, and yes, okay. Amy, let's hear. Why is he a schmuck? Um, well, he comes across that way as kind of, I mean, he's sort of a stooge. He's the one that gets conned into working the guy's shift because he's like the schmuck. Like, oh, I want to find someone to cover my shift. We'll get him. He's a loser. He doesn't have anything better to do. And he, and he falls for it. And he sort of has to, his character has to be because he has to have that change where he realizes I'm not going to take this crap anymore. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he finally stands up for himself. Yeah, well, he, well, he, you know, he was disillusioned when he was young <coughs> that Santa Claus wasn't real, and then he would, he saw Santa, his dad, I assume, his dad, macking on his mom. But he also sees that Santa Claus as an ideal is very is loved and accepted, and that is precisely what he is looking for. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, he go he goes 
he just goes all in on that, uh, which is which is great for him because he finally like, oh, good for you, Harry. You're getting some agency, and oh yeah, you just you stabbed a dude in the face. But he also. <laughs> I found the movie very timely as far as he does want to be Santa Claus because he's accepted. But I feel in some ways the relatable way that he is to us is that he wants to stand up for the little guy. And in that way, I found like it was really timely because, you know, the corporate jerks who just care about money. Mm. And he's thinking about these kids at this hospital and that, you know, the corporate guy isn't really helping these kids at all and he's tired of it and he wants to help the kids and so there was as bizarre and creepy as he was there was some sort of genuine generosity in there and i thought that's what made it interesting as opposed to just oh he's just a psycho and he just kills everybody and we Mm -hmm. don't really know why it's just because he's a psycho it's like no you kind of see why he does it Mm -hmm. yeah and the people that he kills aren't these innocent, you know, innocent teenagers. They're these assholes who kind of have it coming. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do. Um, and on the and on the killing, I have to say, uh, I really liked how they handled the, the killings. They were tastefully done. Uh, it, uh, me, they remind me of uh, Sam Raimi, old school Sam Raimi from Evil Dead and whatnot. Just very... Perky, jerky. You're not going to show anything, but you, it's very exaggerated, like stabbing and, and screaming <laughs> blood and zoom in, out, in, out, and it's uh, it's like I was like, oh, this movie's like they they thought about this stuff, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's trying to be a film. It's not just a movie. It's a it's a film here. Um, so he bends. His first time as, as Santa, he go he brings the the toys to the um the or not the orphanage it's the hospital which is uh, one of the very problematic things they dropped the R word just like it was nothing I'm like oh that's awesome. you shouldn't do that that was extremely <laughs> cringy yes uh, I mean especially but uh, and then he uh, <laughs> then he goes to, and then he goes to church and it's uh really it's like kind of awesome uh, what happens. Oh, what why do, what do the guys do and why does he begin killing the way when he does do they just push him over the edge does he no they're they're, they're they're hip i mean they're completely hypocritical right they they go to church to be like oh we're all about christmas and family but they're just really like early on yuppies they're all just little patrick batemans from american psycho <laughs> and like they're not good people and he sees through them in a way that really nobody else does or at least they'll admit to so if he's like in a way you talked about agency for for harry he sometimes even though yeah he he has his his sort of demented ways of looking at the world and about children and just things on there he he sort of sees through that in a way that that other people don't or won't admit to or I, i don't think they see it at all i think they just see as like all right, we're we're making a lot of money because we're we're white people and we're taking advantage of all these situations and this sort of uh, you know a boom in the economy and this sort of conservatism that is in the America in the 1980s and uh, he's like, no, I don't give a shit about that at all. Like you don't deserve to be a part of this because the biggest problem you have is that you're a hypocrite. And if you're a hypocrite about 
the way you see Christmas, you're probably hypocritical about a lot of things, I would imagine, even if they're not like things that you deserve dying, you don't deserve to die right. necessarily for these things. Um, you're probably not like a great person, like you were saying, Amy. They're, they're not great people at all. <laughs> like, and the fact all. that they like that right after leaving church on Christmas Eve. Yeah. To if Santa. You, to Santa. I mean, most people, and I'm not, you know, I'm not Jewish, but. Um, I mean, technically, let's just call it. Technically, all three of us are not Jewish, but we celebrate Hanukkah and the Jewish holidays in my household. So, okay. Yes. Anyways. But um, but you know, you leave you leave a church service. Even my husband, who is not religious at all, is still moved when he goes to the church service on Christmas Eve. You know what I'm saying? It still kind of moves him. And when we leave, there's sort of this like peaceful, mellow feeling. And. So to imagine that someone else is leaving church and the first thing they do while they're standing on the steps of the church is harass and like torment the Santa. Trust is Santa. It's like that's so sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they are messed up and they are like Patrick Bateman. And when they get killed, it's like Travis Bickle killing the pimp played by Harvey Keitel and that awesome scene in Taxi Driver. So that's mm-hmm. All the thought process that went into my head. Right. But uh, for, for me, there was also the, like, yeah, they're terrible people, but like, do, like, who are you, Santa, to decide that these people need to be stabbed in the eye? Which, like, no, mad props to you. Like, I, I don't like them, but I, like, maybe killing them, it's, I guess, I guess it's, the, it's kind of the conversation we always have. Like, is this, like, yes, it's satisfying, but is it, this sort of vigilante justice is that right yes i think they had it coming i think these are the kinds of people that end up bankrupting the economy they get all their insider perks on wall street you know these are all the enron people you know what i'm saying okay yeah but 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 at that point now now we're now we're judging them for things they have not done yet and it's and like yes i'd like i would love to like go back in time and like kill hitler and and stop and stop things but there's a it's a it's a it's a weird it's a weird morality because he is such a like sympathetic character and that he's doing what he does and you, so you can you can kind of see his side he's not just Jason or Michael Myers just going around randomly killing kids who just who have the gall to have sex or anything. But uh, it's you know but it was I think the screenplay was written in the seventies which was a terrible time the seventies were the worst. But you know, a, a great a time a time of great artistic flourishing because everything was the worst, and that's a great inspiration. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it did, it does uh, it is a very nineteen eighties film in that regard. In that he is taking on the the hypocrites and the, and the the sort of scumbags of those who would take advantage of. Uh, and I don't think they meant it to be that way. It just sort of like that's the way the decade sort of rolled out uh, over the over the next ten years that it becomes. A little bit of a time capsule, sort of this proto uh, die yuppie scum kind of uh, kind of film, which I think I think really helps helps it to stand the uh, stand the test of time and make it, especially nowadays with you know all the corporations being what what they are, kind of uh, <laughs> a little a little more relevant, a little more mm-hmm. relevant. Um, uh, so he kills the three the three the three people on the on the steps with everyone looking on and just like 
what just happened? Did Santa <laughs> just kill I was like, why are they just kind of standing there? They're just like, oh. I'm like, why He's is nobody beating call- them? Yeah. Why is nobody them. calling them on their cell phone? Oh, right. We don't have cell phones. Crap. It's the 80s. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's early 80s. Uh, but then uh, he goes to, um, is it Frank's? Frank, yeah. Yeah, he goes yeah. to Frank's house, who's the guy who's, uh, you know, conned him into taking his shift at the factory. And I, I got to say, this was a very uncomfortable uh, death because if there are two things I hate, it's uh, any kind of like asphyxiation, strangulation, or drowning and getting your neck uh, cut open. <laughs> and, like, I was like, oh, no, this is, this is awkward. And just the way you see, the way it's not a, it's not a clean, it's not even a clean, clean strangulation. He's like, it's kind of a last minute uh, thing where he takes the bag of toys and just like shoves it over his face, which is mm-hmm. a very great image and an interesting metaphor. And I then, thought that was funny. You thought it was funny? I mean, it, yeah, yes, it's funny. But And his like, wife, and his wife, I like that the wife is so horrified that when she screams, no sound comes out. Mm. Yeah. and then, I thought that was very effective. I was like, interesting. That, that was really well done. And, then, and it, Santa killing someone with a bag of toys. I'm sorry. That's kind of funny. It's, it's, I, I'm, I'm, I, there might be some irony in there. I think, is that irony? That might be irony. But yeah. The, it's irony. Yeah. But th- that scene was very well done. Yeah, the, the the silent the silent scream, and then followed. He he comes out, and the kids are standing there, and they're like, "Oh, Santa! Hey, what's up?" And then you hear the scream. You're like, <laughs> "Oh, man!" I'm like, I just like I feel like he's kind of inspiring all these other kids Kill to grow Santa. up to become Santa Claus killers. Mm. <laughs> Perhaps, <laughs> which, which you know you could easily make a sequel to this now, Lewis Jackson, if you're still alive, and I I'm gonna assume you are. Just, let's 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 do it again. The kid grew up. And the kids grew up, and they need to avenge something that happened to them. And it's it's great. Um, you know what I really liked the soundtrack. What you guys? How'd you guys feel about the music that was that was playing? Like the actual Christmas music, or no, like the, like the, like the, like the music that they that they use. They use. The like wompy slasher score yeah, that's always like used the wompy, wompy slasher score. The one that makes you need to like take a shower after it's over because it just feels like they're like dripping like awful, disgusting oil on you and like right. clanging metal pans next to your head or something like that. Yeah, they're they're, they're doing that, that but they're but they're showing all these delightful Christmas images. They have a yes. lovely juxtaposition. I. I I I think the movie as a whole, and this is coming from someone who watches a lot of films like this, is is it stands out for a lot of different reasons. I hadn't even thought of the music. I mean, I like the use of um, Christmas themes, particularly in the scene <clears throat> where he sort of snaps and destroys that doll from his dollhouse. He's humming, you better watch out. Right? Or, yeah. I think that that scene is like super effective, and you're just like, oh my god, this is horrible. That, to me, that's the scene in Taxi Driver where he's like, that montage scene when he's like, he got his hand over the fire and he, he keeps repeating that his like letter he's writing or that mantra he's saying where he keeps mm-hmm. like changing it and changing it. It's sort of like that, um, but done in like a minute and a half rather than like six minutes. But And it's um, not Robert De Niro? And it's not Robert De Niro doing it, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I like. I mean, I'm I, I'm a, a staunch defender of the genre and of this movie. This movie mainly because it does the thing that most Christmas themed horror films don't do, which is it's it's about Christmas. 
Like most of these movies are just like, eh, it's set in Christmas time, and the killer is, looks like Santa Claus, and that's it. Like it's a that's Shane Black just, movie, but it's hard. That's just so like, it's fine. Yeah, that's just exploitative. And this is like it's set at Christmas. It's about Christmas. It's about Christmas themes in a lot of ways. And um, to me, like that's a sort of brave and interesting thing to do. And I think if if you have to watch a, like a movie like this twice, which I, I sort of probably had to in a way too. I watched them over like ten year period um, to sort of like appreciate it in some way. To me, that's a more effective film. Like I can watch Silent Night, Deadly Night, which came out four years after this, and you're just like, eh, yeah, <laughs> I can see why people would get into this in a way. But like, it's not. It doesn't even have any nuance whatsoever in it, and it's like fun in its own way. But to me, this is like challenging more so than than most. And I, I watch it, and I'm like, I don't know what to think sometimes about this, and the fact that we've already been talking about it for however long, forty minutes. To me, like I, I could talk about Silent Night, Deadly Night for like ten minutes, and that might be it. I mean, I could talk about that movie for hours, but, let's be <laughs> yeah. but like in a sort of constructive, intellectual way, um, I don't think that I could. It would just be like, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Like that's about it. Like the yeah. poster's good. The, post, <laughs> the poster. The poster. The poster is good. It horrified me as a child. I did not like the idea of an axe wielding Santa Claus coming down the chimney. Which, um, it's it is almost the same like kind of concept for the Christmas Evil poster. It's him like uh, in front of the fireplace, but. Right. Uh, yeah, so this is a Christmas movie about Christmas, like a Christmas horror movie about Christmas, which we don't always get because it's I think this is a movie made by a guy, Lewis Jackson, who was like, I want to make a movie that has to do with Christmas and how like I've seen Christmas twisted over the years. Right. Particularly when you're talking about it being written almost 10 years prior in the 70s where people weren't doing well. Um, and, you know, Christmas time was probably a difficult time of the year for a lot of families, probably even his. Um, I'm assuming this guy's not coming from money, uh, the way that this movie's put together and the way that it's the whole production sort of came together. Um, so I feel like he, he, like, like, like Dr. Frankenstein creates the monster that Lewis Jackson is sort of the Dr. Frankenstein to Harry's monster in a lot of ways. And the Frankenstein thing we were, you Steve, you were saying, and, and Amy, you were agreeing is like dead on. If you like listen or read anything about Lewis Jackson, he was like, yeah, it was Frankenstein. That was like the oh. number one thing I was trying to ape in a lot of ways, particularly towards the end of the movie. Where it was it was so smart for having picked up on that. <laughs> Yay. I love it when Jake's I can all, agree with the director. Frankenstein. So yeah, that was, that was all in there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah he's both he's both uh, creator and creation in in, yep. in this in this regard. Uh, there was there was one moment when he was he was getting chased by the villagers, and you go you think logically like take the fucking suit off, like you would you're Santa Claus, like everybody knows you stand out in a crowd, just take it. But and then I thought, well, he can't actually because you know he he glues the he glues his beard on and he's pulling on it, and it's not like he's just pulling out to make sure it's the spirit the spirit gum is secure he's like this is who i am now that's what they said that's why he doesn't take it off he doesn't feel the need to because he's not hairy anymore he's santa like that's who he sees himself as like his psychosis goes so far that that's it like i'm i'm this person now i'm this figure because he feels like he doesn't he he doesn't exist in a way or someone told him he didn't exist and he feels like the world sort of especially the kids sort of don't think he exists so he's sort i'm gonna bring him back um, and of course, that gets really fucked up as the movie goes on because he starts murdering people. Um, but yeah, he's he's so completely into it that he can't get out of it. And I mean, um, Brandon Maggart at the same time, he's so into this role that scene. It's that that really sort of uh, I think it's really like gorgeous looking that that shot they use when he 
he's he goes up the hill where all the, the all the lights are the little yeah. reindeer are lit up and they're almost like blooming and then he comes back and he falls that's Brandon yeah. Maggard. He wasn't he wasn't supposed to fall. He just fell, and they were like, "Keep rolling," and he just got up and kept going. There's a cut, and he's back. But like, he just was so freaking into everything going on here that um, I think it sort of works really well. It's it's sort of like a small version of like the um, you know Heath Ledger as the Joker. He gets so like committed into it, and of course, it's like perfect because he's dressing up like Santa Claus. He can't take the beard off. It's like yeah. weirdly poetic in some bizarre twisted way <laughs> that I sort of love. But uh, Harry doesn't live in a vacuum. He does have a brother. His, uh, yes. Is it Philip? Um, I'm blank. Yeah, Philip. Sorry. Philip. Yeah, Philip. Yeah, Philip. Uh, what, what is... I, I, I liked Philip as a character because he does bring this sense of, of grounding to like, yeah, my <laughs> brother is He's like he's like messed up, and I can't keep indulging him in in all this. What what was uh, what was everyone's take on on Philip and his his family? Because he he has the wife, he has the kids, he has he has the Christmas, and the in some ways the love and acceptance that Harry does not. What what, what was your take on him? You can go for that. I would. If you have... I would say I feel like a lot of people feel that way. If you have a, have a sibling, there's always a lot of like this one has what I wish I had. And I could imagine that that would be very normal feeling mm-hmm. in a lot of families, which, again, makes this a much more interesting film than just the typical horror thing. I know I feel like I'm making that point a lot, but just that it's it like you do, we all have that moment where we're like, oh, this is my perfect sibling and their perfect house and their perfect children and I'm sort of lonely and the neighborhood kids accept me, but their parents are probably worried that I'm going to molest them, which... Well, I mean... All the sexual on. harassment stuff going on right now, this is the guy <laughs> who would be banned from a shopping mall because he's creepy with children. But he could run for Senate, right? He could run for Senate. And the other thing that's the other He'd thing win. that's <laughs> I just um I volunteer to do Sunday school with preschoolers and I just had to watch this whole like training on like protecting children and like watching out for child molesters and stuff. So I watched that video one day and then I watched this film the next day. (laughs) Like a checklist of like, of course he's a child molester. Like he grooms children. He's much more interested in playing with kids than with adults. Like huge checklist. But we never, we never, we never have any, any contextual evidence that says, Yes, he does actually molest the molest the kids. He just he just kind of stalks them. He stalks he stalks them, which is which is bad. It's and a way different crime. And when he made the comment to the girl that she looked pretty in her dress, yeah, that was. That do was, not yeah. feel a little. Oh, a little I was like, I, 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 just, I wanted to find my daughter and be like, I'm gonna hold. It. No, it's so, uh, <laughs> I need to protect you. Everything so. <laughs> But yeah, um, Marchetti on on relationships between bro- uh, the two the two brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a, a kind of sticking point in this movie for me because um, the Philip character isn't like, you know, he he literally represents um, the sort of like continuation of Harry's 
problems, right? Mm-hmm. He's got the wife and, and the kids, the two kids, two boys. Uh, he's highly like sexualized in like all the scenes we see him in. He's like shirtless doing his push-ups, <laughs> and he's always like fawning all over his wife, which is fine. It's, it feels grounded and like real a real couple, but he literally is like if we're sort of like Harry's proxy in those scenes when Harry isn't there, he's like rubbing it all in Harry's face. Like, you know, remember that stuff that really freaked you out? Like I have the same thing in the same house. Like I'm just like rubbing your nose in it. And he doesn't like see it that way. And I don't know that I would either if I was that, if I was Philip. Um, but I think that's why like, it's difficult for, it's, uh, it's difficult in a lot of ways for Harry to come over there. And, and it's not that Philip's a bad guy. He's a, he seems like a great brother and a very like real sort of grounded brother at the same time. Like he, he really cares about him. Um, but at the same time, like, it's just, it's sort of, there's this kind of irony. It's almost like bittersweet that he doesn't really catch on that part of Harry's issues seem to stem from him and and that's um sort of sad it's sort of tragic in another way plus it's awesome that um philip is played by jeffrey demun who was like in so many freaking movies later on like shawshank and the mist and green mile all those frank darenbaugh movies he's in the walking dead um yeah he's like there's like a ton of um like character actors in this uh, the two like i don't know this is off topic but the two detectives that have that really humorous sequence during the sort of usual suspect scene um yeah they're both like super familiar <laughs> i know i know one of the guys the guy who sings the song he was in die hard he was in godzilla the 1998 godzilla he's in a lot of movies and then the other guy that like steely gray-haired guy he's in like every movie training day i think dead man walking born on the fourth of july like a ton of movies so I saw them both and I was like, oh, they're, they're just like getting all the New York actors they can find and just throwing them into this thing at like very young ages. But um, it's it's sort of funny that you, it's funny you see it that way. But it's also funny that even Lewis Jackson will interject a really like humorous, satirical, but really pointed moment between those two detectives where the, one of the detectives is basically like, you know what? He's taking care of all these people. Like maybe he's just going to get rid of all the bad people and our job will be easier. And like it's sort of funny and morbid in a way. But you're like you know what, if I was a police officer and some guy was taking care of that, that vigilante thing, I might be like, you know what? Fine. Fine. If I see him, I'll stop him, but I'm not going to like go out of my way to find a killer Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Um, so we're running, uh, I guess we're running a bit low on time. It's getting, getting late in the hour. Late in the, hour. Uh, the ending, Harry is getting chased by the mob. He goes over to Phillips. They get into a, an altercation. Phillips thinks he kills Harry and then scars his own children by dragging what is presumably the lifeless body of Santa Claus out to the truck. Harry's actually okay. Great. Like an almost Back to the Future-esque punch to Phillips. That was yeah. like, I'm like, this is, ch- this is literally changing time <laughs> right there. <laughs> and he, dry, he drives off. He's getting chased, and he's, he's chased, chased, chased. Harry uh, Philip goes after him, and the you know Harry turns. He swerves, and he goes. He goes off the. He goes off the railings, and he flies away. And much In like the van. It's kind crazy. of like it's exa- it's exactly the ending to Radio Flyer. Yeah, <laughs> did I mean? Did Harry, what, what actually happened? Did Harry actually fly away into the night? Merry Christmas to all and all that good stuff. Do you, do you want the the literal answer and the figure? I want. I'll give you the little little answer first, and then we'll do the figure. 
So the literal the literal answer just from the horse's mouth, from the director's mouth, is that he's he's he dies. He dies, and there's like a lot of speculation that people because of there's something about like the sounds, um, the, the sounds uh, Philip makes as he rolls into like those boxes and that really bad snow, <laughs> snow. effect, which is like, <laughs> really yeah. bad. Which is funny because the rest of the movie is very convincingly done with snow. I feel like it looks really slushy and cold. It's very like blue and gray looking. Either way. There's something about the sounds there, and people like thought they heard that the sounds of Philip rolling was the van exploding. So they were like, "Why is he flying now?" And people just got very confused by it. And Lewis Jackson was like, "No, he's 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 dead. Like he's so he's so involved in like Santa that he's now he's fully on Santa. Like he's just him. He's he's flying away to go spread more cheer to other people." <laughs> um, so so yeah, that's the literal. The, the, the figurative no there's no figurative he's he's dead the, <laughs> yeah. the, he's dead That's there's no sad. figurative it's, 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 it's i think that was both sad. the literal and the figurative like he's you know he, he dies going out as, as santa claus and sure. yes yes <laughs> which is like happy and sad at the same it's so bittersweet like, it's really such, think it was about such it. a bittersweet ending i'm like oh harry yeah. oh how are you gonna come back Thumbs from the sequel we'll figure it out <laughs> They always, they always, they always come back. It would be the net, the two nephews that, two Santa Clauses, that the nephews who now think that Santa is dead. Yeah. So now there's Stu, which works in a sequel, and they have legitimate backstory. We saw our dad kill Santa Claus on Christmas. I mean, there you go. There, it practically writes itself. Yes. Would it? All right. Would it be Christmas Evil with two eyes in evil? Christmas, two Christmas, two evil. Christmas eviler. Ooh, I like two Christmas, two evil. We, you know, we're right, we're gonna workshop this. I want drafts next. I'm not week. engaging in this. I'm not engaging in this this line of fun. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. Uh, what guys? What is the ultimate message of Christmas evil? Oh, can I say one more thing? Because oh, yeah, I just sure. I I sort of like in watching it for maybe like the third or fourth time. Um, I think the movie is like really, it's really, and this is a theory, I guess. I don't know this for sure. I don't have any basis to know this for sure other than like movies like to, you know, screenwriters like to bookend their films with different ideas. But I feel like in the very beginning of the film that it's that it's really like surreal, the opening, because he comes down the chimney, but then he sort of like disappears if my memory serves. And I feel like that's, even though I think it's both Harry and Phil watching it, I think if it's already Harry's like psychosis has been tripped. He he like sees his dad as Santa, like really sees him as Santa and imagines that he has these like abilities. And that's why that scene later, that really like tragic comic scene when he tries to get down the chimney, is yeah. it's 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 like you can watch it and just be like, "Oh, you stupid fool." And it, but it's really like the saddest thing in the whole movie because he's just trying to recreate like that moment in a weird way. Obviously that moment becomes really twisted as it, as it continues in the beginning of the film, but I feel like it's bookended really well with these two sort of fantasy sequences. Uh, one is much more blatant. Like the van is just like, Oh my God, this is ridiculous. <laughs> the scene in the beginning, you might even, you might just overlook and be like, um, bad editing. I don't know what happened. Like maybe they just dropped a frames or something, but it seems like it's intentional. Like he really just disappears almost in this kind of like <laughs> kind of way. Um, <laughs> and I feel like it's perfect because in the very beginning, they're already telling you like he's, there's something else already going on in this kid. Like something about Christmas triggers him in an interesting way. And then it's, it's all about Phil sort of, 
giving him the reality of the situation. But and that's what he blames, right? He blames Phil, and right. Phil sees right through it. He's like, you can't really blame me for this when he's trying to strangling him. Like he doesn't. He sort of knows, and Harry doesn't want to admit it because if he admits it, then he if he admits that that's not the case, then he can't be Santa Claus, right? He right. he can only be Harry because then he's just a reg- he's a regular person, and if he admits that, then he loses all of his like power, so to speak. I don't know if that makes sense, but that was just my that was like my my most recent reading on a film I'll probably watch forever. Every, oh, it should be a, it should be a Christmas tradition. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, I don't know. It might be. It might, it might be. No, but that but that is a very 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 valid point. The kid has he's always been tripped up like this. Somehow, and, some for some reason, I don't yeah, know. You know it, what I mean? I don't you know, have to... it, it, all, all, it does. The film does a good enough job where that reason isn't necessary to it the is. understanding of the character himself. And you know, it, that takes. You know, sometimes you like. Sometimes you do need to know. You need to have that seed. But I think they they handle it well enough. It's certainly in the beginning, and then l- later on throughout to make it make it very plausible. Like he works in the toy factory. He's like, these toys suck. Why don't we make better toys? And it's all he. He seems so very. He just wants he just wants the best and the best can only come from Santa Claus and so that's how he that's why he one of the many reasons why he does that yeah yeah he becomes jolly old Saint Nick uh previous question <laughs> ultimate message of Christmas evil it was a good segue um, don't don't be don't be shitty <laughs> don't be yeah, a in the I, 80s okay I think that's yeah. it don't be a crappy person yeah be or, a generous person yeah and if you're not going to if you don't, if you don't like believe in, so I said earlier, like I'm not super pro Christmas for lots of different reasons anymore, but I, I wouldn't like shit on anyone's Christmas spirit. Like I'm totally fine with that. It makes you happy. And I could, it's, it makes me happy too, in a lot of ways, but I, it's my sort of take on it has been twisted just because of things in life. And, but like, don't be like, we're not going to give any of these toys to the kids because we're just awful Patrick Bateman's and eventually one of all being crazies anyways, and then go to church and be like, I'm holy. I like, I take care of my family and I'm a nice person. Like you're not. And clearly like the scene, Amy, you're talking, they come out and they just immediately start harassing him. Which is just ridiculous. I <laughs> like, mean, you just... really have to be. And like I said, my husband, totally not religious, none of that, but you still come out of church with a certain feeling of like serenity. Yeah. And not to make a very weird connection here, but just speaking of church and affecting people, like that kid from South Carolina that shot up the people after sitting with them through a prayer service. Mm-hmm. That kid was actually from my hometown in South Carolina, which is weird. Mm-hmm. But the fact that, like, I don't care how not religious you are, just go into a church and sit and go to a prayer service where people are praying. And then still be able to have that evil in you to do something like that is just really twisted. It's really, even if I mean, you could be the most non-believer ever, but in that setting to ha- to come out and just be like, oh, there's a Santa. Let's be assholes mm-hmm. and like mock him. It's like, what? And maybe it's not about just not dumping on other people's Christmas, but maybe to kind of preserve it. So that way, when people get older, they don't have these bitted, bitter, jaded memories. Maybe it's sort of like a capture in the rye sort of thing. I see what you're saying. Yes, I, I literally just that. thought yeah. of it right now. I'm like, yeah. it's sort of like capture in the rye. You know, he wants yeah. to preserve the innocence and preserve that magic, so people don't get older and have these bitter memories. Yeah. And not that Christmas has to be pure and wonderful, but. 
but it does. I had a yeah, CC uh, religion teacher told me that there was no such thing as Santa Claus like three weeks before Christmas. And I still remember it. And I saw the woman like decade, like a decade later. And I wanted to be like, oh, you're the stupid bitch that ruined Christmas for me. <laughs> Her name was Mrs. Kinch. I'm so glad you gave me the name because I wanted to yeah, hate, I'm, I'm I wanted right to hate directly. A, is that with a K or a C? Kinch. Kinch. Okay. Kinch. We were making Christmas cards for the Monsignor and someone made the mistake of asking if they could draw a picture of Santa Claus. And instead of just saying, no, kids, let's focus on the religious aspect. You know, There's so many ways to diffuse that and just be like, hey, you know what? Let's focus on the Jesus aspect of it, which totally would have been appropriate. She's like, I can't even believe that you would say that. And you're all old enough to know that there's no such thing. And I was like, oh, God. And oh, she was this little woman with these beady eyes. And I'm not kidding. Ten years later, I saw the woman again and I was working in a restaurant. I'm like, oh. You destroyed my child. You. <laughs> Here's your ice cream. Aww. Mrs. Kinch. There's like hair and, her, hair and her food or something. Yep. Glen Rock, New Jersey. I should have spit in her ice cream. Yeah, Jersey. <laughs> that's how you do that's how that's how they do things in Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> I do I do yeah. like uh, folks, I do like the succinctness of don't be a dick. Like there's a you know, it's a fine message for just life in general, especially yeah. around, especially around the holidays. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Don't, don't, Santa Claus is just trying to spread cheer. Yep. Don't be a dick to him. Be good. Be nice to your coworkers. Don't be a dick to them. Don't fuck them over. Because and you if want you to go promise, if you promise gifts to disabled children, <laughs> maybe consider actually giving the disabled children some gifts. Yes, and also, uh, yeah, also the terrible, uh, terrible faux pas there. The uh, gift gifting comes. It comes from the top. It, the 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 people on the lower rungs do not have do not give. It's the people who are running the show have to have to give and you know so. And that's what I thought. I'm like, oh great, so they all have to work longer hours to produce more toys. And meanwhile, this guy's in the Bali or Florida <laughs> or wherever the fuck he is. And Muhammad. he tells them, oh, so if you guys work harder, then all these kids will get toys. <laughs> and consider donating some of your own money. Doesn't he say that in the little yeah, video? He does. Yes. Oh, I just wanted to smack him. I wanted to blow. I was like, I'm like, Harry, I would understand if you wanted to just murder everybody in this room, but I'm glad you didn't. More interesting movie that way. Ah, <laughs> uh, Amy and Matt, wonderful conversation. Thank you both for, for coming on, Matt. Glad to have you back after so long. Amy, as always, a pleasure. You folks have been listening to Oscar Watch. Thank you so much for tuning in this week and throughout the entire month of December for our Christmas episodes. You can write us an email at uh, Oscarwatch... Yeah, just whatever. At Oscarwatchpodcast at gmail.com. The emails. (laughs) Yeah, the email. Oscarwatchpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on social media at Oscarwatchpod. We are continuing our Yuletide celebration next week with a little bit of a stretch. It has a very long scene in, of Christmas, and that is the 1982 Best Foreign Language winner, Benny and Alexander, by the one and only Igmar Bergman. That is going to be a very interesting discussion. We are watching the theatrical version, not the five-and-a-half-hour version, simply for time, although maybe thoughts on that uh, later. Uh, Matt Marchetti, where can folks find you? 
You can find me as six four winds drive and Ashburn. No, that's my address. I shouldn't give that out. Oh, no, no, no. Oh god, I'm not cutting this out. <laughs> Sorry, I just had a moment. Um, you guys can find me as always on Instagram at movie underscore matinee matinee with two T's. Um, I, I sort of considered doing a Christmas themed um like review thing for the month, but there's there's sort of not enough to do and i've already sort of reviewed a bunch in the past so i'm still gonna do i'm gonna do a bunch of christmas themed movies not just horror films but christmas themed movies um but they'll probably be like short little reviews particularly for films i already like krampus i already reviewed it when it came out in the theater so i'll probably just do like little blurbs about it but yeah i'm still trying to do a movie a day that is exhausting. It's just exhausting (laughs) to do a movie a day Uh, but i've got a bunch queued up i'm like good until i mean if um you know god willing i'm good for like a while so yeah man just All come right. come follow me and and just read and comment and i love it it's a good time i don't know why i sound so like leisure suit all of a sudden yeah, yeah just, we love we love it too i love instagram no big deal love love reading your stuff amy you got the uh the social needs where are I you do. At? Uh, a Thomason Eleven is my Twitter account. You can read my thoughts on movies. Or this week was very heavy on my drama students because they just did their play and they were sweet, wonderful, and it was a great night. Okay, well, you can find all of us on the internet, and we'd love to hear from you uh, so much. So uh, everyone, have a wonderful week. Happy holidays. Start of Hanukkah next week, so happy Hanukkah. And until next time, we'll see you next time.